0: Olá, eu sou a Cláudia Ribeiro. Bem-vindos ao Chats by Clo. São mais de 10 anos produzindo conteúdo sobre viagens, estilos de vida, entrevistando pessoas ao redor do mundo e trazendo histórias inspiradoras. Por isso, nesse podcast, eu te convido a fazer parte da minha jornada ao conhecimento em prazerosas conversas. He is from Stanford, Connecticut started his career as a model and traveled the world working for companies like Louis Vuitton, roth Lauren, and George Armani. His eye for design allowed him to fly across prominent real estate world of New York and it has been so successful that he has been on the famous American TV show Million Dollar Listing on Bravo TV. Today, in a partnership with Ornar USA, I chat with Steve Gold. Hi, Steve. Hello.
1: How are How's you? It going? All good for me. How you doing?
0: I'm good, actually. Like we're in the middle of this crisis, but I can complain. I'm safe yeah. home, and hopefully, you're safe home with your family.
1: Where Where are we talking to each other from?
0: Um, I'm in New York.
1: Oh, we're both in New York.
0: Oh, I thought you were in the Hamptons. Oh, some I have, I have a place in the
1: Hamptons, but I'm in New York right now.
0: Got it. So, um, we will talk about real estate in new york a little bit about your show but first of all i'd like to talk about your hobbies you're working all the time you have the show and what are you passionate about
1: um i mean right now my i mean i'm passionate about a lot of things i've always been an an athlete my whole life i always loved competing You know, so anything where it's a competition, like I'm passionate about, whether that's in sports, whether that's at work, whether that's, you know, silly things like just like, um, you know, games with friends, uh, Scrabble, even. you know, I'm I'm, I'm a competitor. So that my passion lies in competing. But um, I mean, now, like, especially with being home, I have a 10 month old daughter and being, you know, my passion is like, you know, seeing her grow up and spending time with her. And that's kind of. You know, with this whole crisis, the silver lining for me is being able to spend a lot more time at home when, you know, prior I was pretty much if I got home and got to kiss her goodnight was a lucky night for me.
0: Wow. And yeah, are you able so. to spend a lot of time with her, right?
1: I mean, all day. <laughs> <laughs> Gives me a lot of respect for stay-at-home moms and stay-at-home dads who, okay. um, I mean, that it is uh, a hard the- job.
0: You're changing diapers? Are you... Feeding her? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I do it all. Um, I'm pretty hands-on as a father. Um, I can't say I change as many diapers as her mother, but I definitely know how to do it.
0: Great. So um, I want to talk to you about the show, but I also want to talk about the real estate. But coming back to your journey until you got here, how did you get into the business? You were a model before, right?
1: Yeah, so... How did I get into real estate? I mean, like a lot of people in real estate, it's something that you never know you're going to do and then you just do it because you need to make money, you need to find a job. The funny thing is, in hindsight, like I always had a passion for real estate. I kind of look back now and you start to think of things during your childhood, what kind of shaped you to lead to where you are today. And even though my path took kind of like a long route through modeling, because I started that so young, I guess it wasn't that long. But I, I always had a passion for houses, for art, for architecture and in design. Um, I remember when I was a child, I used to look every Friday. They had like the classified ads where people used to put houses. Now everything's online, but it used to be in the papers. And I grew up in Fairfield County, Connecticut, which is like an hour outside of here. And, you know, Greenwich, the town next door to where we lived. I had these amazing, massive estates and I always kind of like looked at them and, knew it was like I wanna see this one, I wanna see that one, and sometimes got my mom to take me to see these big estates. So even like when I was super young, I was into homes and and you know, and the stories that they tell and
0: were open houses happening at that time. I'm only for five years in New York, so I don't know if this is something like that always happened.
1: Oh yeah, open houses I mean they might not be happening after this. Uh you know, with the the new normal, and and you know, we'll we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, open houses have been happening.
0: Erica, were you going to open houses, or it was not something that happened before?
1: No, oh, oh, they they were doing open houses when I was a kid, you know, and, and where they would put ads in the paper, and they would have different, you know, open houses this weekend, and you could go and, and see the properties. So there's like a local newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the Advocate for Greenwich Times, and I remember. So every Friday they had the house, the real estate section for that upcoming Sunday, and the mm-hmm. the, the local real estate agents would post, you know, the properties in the mag in the in the newspaper, and, and with their advertising for the open houses on Sunday. So we would go, my mom would take me, you know, and, uh, you know, it kind of was like, that was where I now in hindsight realized I was actually into it. But then, you know, I moved to New York. I went to school at NYU Stern. I studied finance and marketing. Um, I graduated and, and during that time, the whole time in college, I was modeling. And when I graduated, I decided I didn't want to get into finance and didn't really know what to do, but I was modeling and I was really successful at that. And I took like a year off and just modeled. And I really, I realized really quickly that that was not my path. Like It was great while I was in college and I was making way more from that as a part-time job than I would anything else. Mm-hmm. But then once I was doing that full-time, there was so much downtime that, that just like killed me. I was not into it, so I moved back you know, I traveled to Japan. I traveled to Europe. I traveled, you know, I stayed like two months in each of these places and, and Paris and London. And then I went to Tokyo and then I came back and I was like, man, I, I all I want to do is like set up roots. I want to be somewhere where I could build a career for myself. I don't like this transient lifestyle. I don't like going from place to place. I want to build a home. I like build my own roots. And a friend of mine was in real estate. He was super successful. And I was like, I I know so many people around the world you know, I've been kind of in all these like fashion shows and movie premieres and, you know, with all these kind of like A-list celebrities and I knew all these people, I could get into real estate and and I've always liked it. And, and you know, I kind of just went out one day, just decided one day I took an online course, got my real estate license in a month um, and just started calling people and letting people know I'm changing my career. I had all my like, as much as I could at the time and the time to change, but like all my modeling stuff taken down because I wanted from the internet as much as I could um, because I wanted people to realize like I'm really switching careers. I don't want when I call a photographer or a stylist or anyone in my kind of network at that time, Mm -hmm. I didn't want them to think I was, I wanted them to know I'm done with modeling and take me seriously as a real estate agent because I didn't want them to be confused about, you know, what my goals were at that point. And I think they respected me for it. My first clients were, you know, one of the top designers in the world. Uh, Another one was the top photographer in the world. And, you know, those are the people that kind of started me out. And then I parlayed it into, you know, finance, celebrity, all these other kind of, you know, big kind of money-making uh, businesses where they buy real estate.
0: Got it. So, um, and how did the inv- invitation to be part of the show came? How did it happen?
1: Um, so, I, I, I know the guys on the show for a long time. And, uh, you know, the show's been so I'm not going on nine seasons, which is insane uh, for, a, for a show, which is great. Um, Frederick was always kind of like pushing me to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, he thought I would be great on it. I didn't think I would be great on it. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not like a naturally super outgoing personality that one would think is amazing for reality TV. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, I,
1: I have my quirks, I guess. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a personality in a way, but I'm not, you know, I'm not high kicking around. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just me. And, and I didn't think that was something that would resonate with TV viewers. I mean, I think the more you get to know me, the more people have liked it's me. But.
0: Because everybody loves you in the show. Yeah, for the most part. <laughs> and and then um, I heard you just moved to a and in Seoul and Ornani is in charge of the meal work, right? So yes. what's the home special to you? What do you have to have that is very special? To to feel like it's your sanctuary.
1: Well, we we didn't move yet. I'm, it's under construction, and Ornari's doing a fabulous job working with me and being very patient with me. Because I mean, the the hard thing about working with someone who sells homes for a living is You're you, see, You're you see everything and you know what you know. And after seeing everything and having a sense of design, yeah. I really know what I like and what I don't like, and and I want things to be absolutely perfect and um so we're we're building it out now everything's obviously on hold because of covid and you know i think the factories are shut down all my workers are not working right now everyone's been instructed to stay home and help flatten the curve which everyone should be doing right now but you know for a space for me i mean what what was important for me for this place and and right now i'm living in a new development you know a lot, lot like one of the ones i'm actually selling which is great but for me like I've always had a dream in New York to have a classic New York City loft. You know, it had to be really big because I have you now a growing family. And quite frankly, when you're kind of doing the renovation yeah. full out, like it's like I want to do it once and be good for five or 10 years. So, I mean, it had to be have good light, lots of windows. I happen to have found an amazing loft, which is a penthouse in Soho. It's about 3,500 square feet. Uh, both
0: yeah. a loft and like a new development.
1: I'm li- no, I'm living in a new development now, renting, uh, until the loft is finished. So we we I closed on the loft last June and have been under, under construction since.
0: Got it. So kind of mixing subjects here. There was an episode that we were showing an apartment. It was a pre-war, and you were talking about the history of the architecture, who lived there before. And it was very interesting because... In New York, I believe you have a lot of content when you're selling a property. What was the most unique property you're sold here? Regarding like not money wise, but yeah but like for the concept or history or who lived there before, something like that. I don't know if you know the apartment I'm talking about. It was an episode that I, I think was, you're
1: probably uh, to- you're probably talking about eight old Fulton Street in Brooklyn with amazing views over the Brooklyn.
0: No, it wasn't it was in Manhattan. That you hosted, you hosted a party there. With
1: um with those I host I host parties like at all my listings, so that's how I did narrow it down. I, 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 I got a phone call in the middle of this so I didn't hear what you were saying, but I um was it in Brooklyn?
0: No, it was in New York. It
1: was in Manhattan. I mean the, the beautiful thing about Manhattan is there's so many historic You know, an amazing architecturally significant, amazing properties. I mean, I'm not sure which one you're talking about now, but I was involved in, you know, the sale of 212 Fifth Avenue, um, which where Jeff Bezos bought the penthouse. Mm -hmm. You know, I sold the first half of that building before they changed brokers. And, you know, that that was, you know, part of the ring portfolio, a New York City like icon and, and now turned to residential, you know, right outside Madison Square Park. You know, the one I was talking about in Brooklyn, which I thought was super interesting, is that building on the corner of Old Fulton Street um, in Brooklyn Heights literally existed before the Brooklyn Bridge did. So if someone bought bought that building, I mean, it wasn't residential until the 70s, but, you know, if someone was in that building when it was built, you wouldn't be looking at any bridges outside. There was there was the only way to get to Manhattan was by boat. Oh. You know, which I think is super interesting. You know, over the course of history, what was built around that place, and it had these twenty-foot ceilings and amazing, amazing, um, really amazing uh, views of Lower Manhattan. Which, from Brooklyn Heights, anyone who goes to, you know, Brooklyn Heights or or Dumbo knows those views are absolutely phenomenal. But I mean, I mean, there's so many good ones. The uh, Ansonia is an amazing one. I'm I'm listing a property as soon as we get out of. This crisis there that was you know there's so much history in that building from you know they had like swinger clubs in the basement at one point they had like I mean like there's like and it's one of the most beautiful buildings on the Upper West Side I mean so like I've always liked the history I'm like I guess uh, like um you know like the history is
0: yeah you love you know, that for me
1: yeah I love that I mean my when I bought
0: talking about it I was like this is so like if if I was your client, I will. That's what was the the type of thing that would make me go for the property.
1: I mean, new development is great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I it's nothing it's quite like a brand new apartment. Everything's work. No one's lived in it. You know, I sell a lot of those. And right, yeah. you know, when we come out of this crisis, I think there's going to be a lot of buying opportunity there. Mm-hmm. But. I mean I, I guess I'm an old soul. Like I bought a house in the Hamptons it predated nineteen hundred. I got renovated it. Like the, the the bones of that and the original detailing is what drew me to it. And that's kind of like what I like in New York too. I mean those all those kind of co-ops and, and, and a few condos on, on Fifth Avenue and, and Central Park West, you know, the most famous ones in Dakota, you know, the um all of those are, are pre war kind of beautiful architecturally significant buildings, you know, and that's what kind of like I think of when I think of New York, even though now you have all these brand new super talls, which are amazing too. I mean, I have a listing for rent now for 85,000 a month in 157 West 57th street. You get up there and the views, like you see, it. To the north and to south, like you see everything. And it's just like, you're literally get up there and I haven't had someone that hasn't sat down and been like, this is the most amazing view I've ever seen, which it is. But it's different, you know. But there's something for everyone, right? That's, that's yeah, what's great sure. about New York.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, do you have a story of a deal that got away and it didn't happen?
1: I had i bet i have hundreds of them um i mean like i'm very competitive and and we like and we like to you know always say you know we're the best and like we're great at what we do but like the thing about this business is if you the thing is i can't think of one off the top of my head because like what makes you good i feel like as a broker mm-hmm. is not dwelling on any past deals we we pitch things all the time we pitch against five different people you get some some you don't. Like I, I, I always think I should get them, but sometimes I don't. But I, I move on from it, you know. And the faster you move on, the faster you can find the next one. So like I mean, if I thought about it, there's probably a few that really stung more than others. Um but I always tell myself, and oftentimes it comes true, is when I don't get those listings, they often it's often because they price it too high or there's some reason and they a lot of times come back to me the second or third time around and then I sell it for them. So I never, I never get too hung up with, with that. And if anyone's watching as a broker, you know, that's some advice I'd I'd say.
0: And what can you tell us about like something behind the scenes of the show that it's coming for the next season? Can you talk a little bit about the next season that's coming?
1: (laughs) You want to get me fired? (laughs) Um, we're, We're... I'm I'm not supposed to say pretty much anything about the upcoming okay. season, but I get, I might've just said too much already.
0: Really? Okay. Okay. So we can skip that one. So I know that right now it's obviously, obviously things are fluid with the COVID-19, but in your mind, what is the current state of luxury market in New York city?
1: I think like the rest of New York, the, the luxury market's a little bit on pause. Um,
0: yeah, but we, let's let's pretend like we're not in the middle of this crisis, because if not, we can talk about anything that's going on. Home, so,
1: yeah, I mean, I mean, January and February were extremely strong months for the luxury real estate market in New York. Yeah. I think people have been on the sidelines for years who have have money, have the means and have been waiting for the right opportunity. Interest rates are very low. The developers have now reduced pricing a lot.
0: They are.
1: They have before COVID. So, come in January and February, I think people. What's that?
0: The new developments, like I'm I'm trying to find an apartment, a new apartment for myself, and it's crazy. New developments are very
1: expensive. Yeah, but the prices have come down, especially on the high end. And, And I think in January and February, we had. The best January and February in the last few years, and we were starting to build the momentum going into spring selling season. And in, I think the overall majority were, it's probably not going to get any better than this as a time to buy. The stock market was soaring. Um, You know, prices have come down. Developers have become more negotiable. Mm -hmm. Interest rates are super low, eh, not the lowest they've ever been, and. And can it really get better we've been waiting we've been waiting now is the time to buy and we were seeing that and we're getting a lot of momentum a lot of things that were not moving for over a year all of a sudden you know for instance in Woolworth the Woolworth Tower which i think is an amazing amazing talk about great architecture i mean one of the most iconic and beautiful uh architecture pieces of architecture in New York which is now residential on top you know they they had five deals in the first uh two months of the year and they didn't sell five apartments last year. Um, and then COVID hit and now everything is kind of taken a pause. There are, I mean, but literally before this, I, I was, I had to hang up because I've been on on the call with a few people and, and sending listings to someone who's buying $10, $15 million apartment. And I'm sending him listings that were once priced at 25 million, um, you know, that we could get oh. for under 15. So you know it's like there there will be opportunities coming out i think the everyone is a little bit shaken up and i think everyone's also kind of coming together you know and unifying as one you know to get through this but you know at the end there are segments of the market that are going to be hurt a lot i mean you know the economic indicators don't look great for for the economy as a whole but with stock markets down i think people will diversify into real estate and i think new york city has always been resilient i've been through You know, I've been through the crash in 2008. I've been through Hurricane Sandy, you know, after 2008 in the subprime mortgage crisis, I mean, after that started the biggest bull run in the history of New York city residential real estate. That's why we have all these super tolls now. I don't think that will ever happen again in my lifetime, at least, but we will certainly see some, some extreme opportunity on the buy side.
0: But what about like the, the deals that were working before COVID? what, what happened to this? They, I, I read things like people were doing virtual closings or mm-hmm. like, are, are they being postponed or, or, or people selling apartments without, without not even like seeing them.
1: People are. So, I mean, that's what you're describing now. What takes about half of my day each day during this crisis is kind of dealing with existing deals um, that are in contract and then what to do with, with, you know, buyers that were negotiating or this or that. Yeah. So deals that are in contract now, I mean, we still are closing. I had a closing last week. I have another closing tomorrow. We have another closing the following week. Um, it, it, the And some of these are scheduled to close. We have one that was scheduled to close two weeks ago that we haven't closed. And we're probably not going to close until after the crisis. Every deal is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why every client needs to, you know, we, we talk to and figure out what's best for them when mm-hmm. the buyer if we represent the buyer and they want to close, I've been I've been trying to retrade the deals. I've gotten you know as low as the lowest retrade I did was 15k, and I've gotten over 150k for another client uh, just to close now versus holding off. You know, if I'm on the seller side, I'm I'm doing the opposite. I'm working towards making sure that the deals actually close and and trying to line it up as best I can. But you still have to be cognizant of the environment they are in. There are complications such as, you know, how do you do a walkthrough? How do you make sure uh, the apartment's ready to close if you can't go into the building? How can you close an apartment if you can't get the furniture out because they're not allowing you to do move outs? Um, So these are the kind of issues we're dealing with virtually. I mean, it's become a virtual world and it's what takes up literally half of my day. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we we are New York strong. We are resilient when we figure out ways to do things because... That's what happens when you have a crisis you have to figure out you know we we are all still living we're all you know all still have needs housing is you need food you need shelter i mean and, and if someone needs to move or we have to figure out how to help them do that
0: and i know i know that there's a lot going on we're being impacted by news it's just crazy i don't even know what to think about it anymore but in your opinion is this a shorter-term thing, or do you think it's going to be a multi-year impact uh, for the market? What's your opinion? Do you have an opinion?
1: I do have an opinion. I think it's going to be a V-shaped recovery. Uh, however, I think there are going to be after. I think there's going to be a short-term recovery, and then I think there's long-term economic impacts from all of this. I think life is going to change. I think you know, everyone's looking at different ways on how to do things. And I think the world will, will change after this. And I think design will too. I think different trends will emerge from this. I think you'll see different kinds of antibacterial kind of properties on things. I think you'll see, you know, maybe even like, you know, a disinfecting chamber, who knows, I mean, what the future holds. I mean, it's scary, but that, you know, that's what kind of pushes through innovation and change. Um, but overall in the market, I think, you know, I think we are, I mean, we're already experiencing a bit of a rebound because we have some positive news on the COVID front about, you know, Absolutely. you know, maybe seeing some light at the end of the tunnel, but it's a bit scary knowing, you know, for, you know, how many people are losing jobs, how, you know, like I just read something today that I think there's 6% of mortgage loans are in forbearance. like, I mean, if people aren't paying their mortgages, I mean, that that's going to be another crisis, uh, you know, and, and retail shops are closed. If these shops can't sell goods and, you know, and, and they did need that to pay their big monthly rents, I mean, and they don't reopen, we're going to have a lot of vacancies. I mean, it, and it it trickles down throughout the economy. So I think the because this isn't something that's happened, I mean, really. Most pretty much anyone's lifetime. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Spanish flu in 1918. Maybe they, you know, is is the last one. Um, It's hard. It's hard to say. But I think um, I don't think we're just going to be back to normal. I think it's it's going to be a V-shaped recovery, and I think there's going to be some recession.
0: Crazy. We stop. I was talking to you a year ago, and I would come and say to you, "We're all staying home." You, you would just not believe me it's it's just crazy but yeah you say say, no one's gonna
1: make me stay in my house
0: yeah
1: but but with that i mean like with all of that comes opportunity that's that's kind of i think an important message because you know if if you are like cash is king right now if you're liquid you're gonna see probably some of the best investment opportunities that you will see in your lifetime i mean i know i'm positioning myself to be you know, despite having you know two houses in a renovation, I'm trying to position myself to be as liquid as possible so I can take advantage of those opportunities that I know will come. And if you're able to position yourself, you, you can. I mean, it's capitalism; you can take advantage of it. And and there will be there will be amazing opportunities in New York and beyond.
0: done So now transitioning to the market in general, when people are buying New York. Um, what's really the first thing they should
1: consider? Which broker to use? Really? No, I'm joking. No, I'm <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean I mean, heavy heavy I heavy mean weight yes, weight. actually. I and mean, having,
0: I signed you- the contract. I paid a down payment. I was happy. I hired the interior designer. And, and then the other part came with a higher price. And I was naive. I didn't know. And I was not, I was. I didn't have a great broker to tell me like if you don't have the other part signing the contract, there is no deal. And I didn't know that. Now I know. So choosing oh, that, the right broker is the right thing. But I didn't know. Yeah,
1: I mean that it was a little self-serving and, and more of a joke than anything because of its because it's self-serving. But I mean, obviously, I think my job is valuable. I don't. I don't. I, I don't have any threat from these online brokerages or people saying you know like like. All brokers will be, you know, virtual, and and brokers won't be needed. There is an argument for that, but in New York City, in particular, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's so hard. Like even even like the big websites that give estimates of values, they're so off because you can't you can't really compare. Like across the street from one from a fifty million dollar apartment could literally be you know something that's a fourth or eighth of the price per square foot, and that's. Could be next door or across the street. I mean, and so, and there's so many complexities in New York City real estate, and and where to buy. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of inventory now. How to sort through that? I mean, I have to educate myself every day. Think
0: there's, like for what price range? Because I don't think that there's much
1: inventory out there. Uh, you're wrong. There is there's a pipeline of over eight years of supply that has yet to be absorbed. The problem is a lot of that inventory is what we call shadow inventory, meaning you have towers that are unfilled and developers will put four or five units on the market. One two bed, one three bed, a four bed and a penthouse. and But they have 32 beds, 33 beds, 34 beds and three penthouses left. So you see five units, but there's really 100. And then multiply that by, you know all the development sites and you yes. have you have about eight years of unsold inventory that has to be absorbed before and that's just a new development. That's not counting resales. So there's a lot there's a lot more inventory than than you see online at a given time. And in knowing that and knowing, you know, having that knowledge, knowing which developers have eighty five percent they still need to sell. I mean that's what you could use in leveraging and negotiating. That's what you need a broker that knows knows the market in and out knows you know where developers are in their selling and 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 how negotiable they are but for the most part yeah developers have been much more reasonable in terms of getting deals done everyone you know um, I mean we're negotiating something now where you know a few months ago they were like it's retrading a little bit now not a lot up two hundred K but they would not have just to close sooner. Three months ago, four months ago, they wouldn't even entertain it. They'd say, "Get out of here," and they yeah. are now. So we'll see that more and more. I feel like
0: interesting, but like okay, I have my broker. I have the best broker. And what's the second thing I should look?
1: I mean, it's a, it's, it's an age-old adage, but I mean, like location. I think you know protected views. If you're looking in New York city are always going to be valuable. I mean, you got to remember what is a view now might not be a view in five years. Um, that happens very much in New York city. And, um, it's, it's, it takes a lot of knowledge to know where, where is you know, what's in the pipeline, where you could see, where you could be comfortable that you'll maintain that view. So protected views. And I always feel like I, I, I bought it in Soho and I like, I love Soho. I love the original architecture. Like I believe in, if you look for something that's unique, you know, but unique and special. So like high ceilings and, and unique architecture will always hold well. So like Woolworth for instance, I've done, I've done two deals there and I think it's a great buy and it's unique architecture. They will never, you can't build like that anymore. There's 24 inches of concrete between the floors. You know, the, the renovations are beautiful. And and, it, and it's it's a piece of New York City history. And right now, you know, the pricing there, like for a three-bed originally was like $10 million. Now you can buy one for $7 million. It's 30% off what they were originally asking. Like, so views, if you're talking New York City, it's like yeah. views, high ceilings, light, and, and uniqueness.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do you think is the next major hub for the luxury properties here?
1: <laughs> they ask that question all the time. Um... I think the beauty about New York City is that there's so many different neighborhoods that serve different types of people best. You know, Tribeca is amazing. It's great schools, uh, great, you know, like a lot of big apartments, which is good for families. You know, it's safe. Everyone in Manhattan is safe now, but, you know, Tribeca is kind of like everyone talks about, but I mean, Hudson Yards is is doing something that's Crazy right now in terms of what they built. I mean, building a like a mini city within the city. That's not for everyone, but it's definitely something that is very special in terms of New York City. And there's some pretty amazing apartments there. It's a hard question because I, I think everyone's different, like and, and their needs are different. And, and there's no like areas of Manhattan that are really un- undeveloped except Hudson Yards, really, which was because there was train tracks they built on top of train tracks literally. So there's no, there's not like, no, oh, this is going to be the next hub as you say, or, or, or place. Cause Manhattan's already developed, but I mean, I guess if I had to answer it's like Hudson Yards and then also uh Hudson square. So like the area West of Barrick street to the West side, they've torn down the St. John's uh, terminal and they're building there. So that whole area is kind of going to be built up. Uh, and there's some development going on around there. Also considered West Soho. I guess that's going to be a new hub. Disney's moving down there uh, from the Upper West Side. There's a lot of big companies opening up there. And then the residential will follow.
0: And what about the buyers for different countries? Who are the the largest buyers of properties here, meaning non-Americans? What's the largest nationality in New York City now?
1: You know, there's a lot. The last year, we've seen a lot of like New Yorkers buying. Though, the funny thing, like you know, uh, local people buying, which I think says a lot about the market. You know, depending on what's happening in different countries, it's you have like, a few years ago there were a lot of Brazilians buying. I think um, you know, then then the currency changed, uh, and it got more expensive, and now we're I'm starting to see there's a few Russian big Russian buyers floating back around in the market now. They were, you know, Asian buyers were buying quite a bit. And then, you know, in China, they had trouble moving money, they you know, that we just stopped. So, I mean, now it seems like, I mean, we're seeing like a lot of people who are New York centric buying mm-hmm. still. That's kind of a lot of the deals. People who live here, they're upgrading. They're, um, I, there's nothing, not one country that I feel like is like, you know, it's not like those days when it's like, oh, Russia's buying everywhere, everything. It's a little different right now.
0: No, so, well, this was great. Lots of learning, lots of great learning. And as I said, I'm obsessed with this market here. I think it's amazing. Do you have any considerations for us? Do, would you like to send a message to uh, 90 followers?
1: Well, um, you know, just, I, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, it's lovely chatting with you. And uh, if anyone has any questions about real estate, I'm very easy to find. Steve Gold at Corcoran. Uh, you can just Google and i will probably pop up and um, I hope everyone out there stays safe and stays home and let's all get through this together and I hope everyone's healthy and um, that's about it.
0: Thank you, thank you so much for your time and I hope to see you soon in person.
1: Obrigado você. <laughs>
0: Tchau. Eu sou a Clau Ribeiro e você acaba de ouvir o Gostou da conversa de hoje? Então, assine o nosso podcast e receba os próximos episódios automaticamente. E siga a gente lá no Instagram, arroba byclo. E o meu Instagram, arroba Muito obrigada e até a próxima.